0: live today we are talking about exposing deception and exposing biases and i think that you're really going to enjoy it and uh amen i see uh nicole in there i see uh jan glory to god i see miss kelly berardi i see let's see here i see george chris crabtree it's awesome glory to god i see rachel amen Let's look, let's jump right in. Today we're talking about shining the light on bias. All right, we've been talking about bias all week, and if you haven't watched it, definitely go and watch the rest of this week. I've heard so many comments talking about how this has helped. Matter of fact, somebody was telling me yesterday afternoon, they were saying, I, I had no idea how this subject touched every area of our life. So whether you have ever heard about this before or if you're learning about it or if you get it or don't get it, I'm just, I'm telling you, it's an important topic. So make sure to pay attention today. So what are, we're talking about bias all week. And basically, uh, in that bias, we're going to talk about how bias can deceive us. And a bias can be good, but it also can be bad. You can have a negative bias or a godly bias. And so one of the things that we want to do is recognize godly bias, and we want to recognize the negative bias or an ungodly bias in our lives. We want to make sure that we see those. If we don't recognize those bias, if we don't recognize them, then we are likely, likely, highly likely to be deceived by them. And so today I want to look at a couple of things. Let's go first and let's just see what the word says about some of these truths. So, for example, 1 John, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. Now, we discussed this in a little bit more detail yesterday, but let me just give you this 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is is not in us. Now what we discussed yesterday is verse 9 and 10 shows us what to do with uh, it talks about sin past it talks about sin present this verse really shows that as we go forward, if we say that we have no sin going forward, we are already deceiving ourselves. Okay. And deception is one of the main items that I want to talk about today and how bias and deception, uh, play a negative bias. So most of the time when I say bias, I'm going to mean today a negative bias, not a godly bias. A godly bias is great and that's where you want to be. But it most of the time what I'm talking about is beating that negative bias and shining the light on it. So one of the things that you see in this verse is that God shows us that as long as we have this flesh... That carries with it corruption. We know th- from the word that we will receive a new glorified body uh, when the rapture of the church takes place, uh, or in the millennium. We'll, we see that we will be changed. But until that moment happens, the word shows us in other places and the full counsel of the word that this flesh man, the way that we were born into this world, carries with it a flesh with all of its appetites and its appetites follow the same pattern of the father of the flesh or the father of worldly desires, that is the devil. So what you see is as long as I have this flesh, as long as I'm living on this earth before Jesus returns, I'm going to be operating in the flesh. And what this verse in John says is as long as you have this flesh, those fleshly desires are present. That doesn 't mean that they have authority over you, it means that they 're present. but if what this verse tells us is a warning, if you think that you don 't have a bias or a, or worldly desires built into the flesh, you 're already deceiving yourself you 're already deceived and so this is this is a major truth that i 've seen a lot of people overlook because here 's why. People will grow up in church or they will, they'll uh, begin to grow up in church. So maybe they didn't grow up in church, but as an adult, they come into church, they start to learn who they are. They learn that they are the righteousness when they're born again, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 21. When they're born again, or 17 through 21, they're made a completely new creation. Verse 21 says that we are made the righteousness of God in Christ. And they get a revelation, hey, I'm made like God. I'm made in his righteousness. But then if they get that truth, many times what they start to do is they overlook that they still have a flesh man, that they still have a corrupted side of them, And so they, I've watched many people believe and I know some people be like, no, there's no way that's, that's that thinking. I've watched many people believe that they think they can't miss it. And this is what this verse is warning about is, listen, as long as you're in this world without a glorified body, you still have the corruption of the flesh built into this flesh. Now that if you're born again, that flesh has, doesn't have authority over you unless you give it authority, okay but if because in Christ he set us free from the bondage of sin or the slavery of sin, that means that a Christian has all authority to tell the flesh and the worldly corrupted desires no, and it has to listen if they'll apply their authority. So I'm not saying that you don't have the victory. I'm saying don't say that you can't be tempted. Don't say that you can't miss it. Uh, I'm not talking about believing that you won't miss it. That's a different item. I'm saying as long as you have a flesh, it's carrying with it those fleshly desires. and Those fleshly desires are going to try to tempt you on a regular basis. It's going to try to give you A bias. And and let's go to another place that shows this. Uh, Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. This is something we talked about the other day. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11 says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So what you see in this, this verse is talking to the flesh man. This verse is not not talking to the spirit man made in the righteousness of God in Christ. Because the spirit man who's born again, who's made a completely new creation in the righteousness of God in Christ, that spirit man is not bothered by God's discipline. That spirit man made in his image longs for his discipline. So this verse is talking about the flesh man. The, the body of corruption, the corrupted worldly thinking, it's the one that doesn't like the discipline. And I want you to notice here, it doesn't say every now and then, it says all discipline. So what does that tell us? That tells us that every time, every time, God brings discipline to us because he loves us. The word says he disciplines those they love Every time he brings discipline to us, every time our flesh doesn't like it. That is a fleshly bias. Now, see, the bias is there. The question is do we allow the bias to have a voice? In our mind, you have the three parts of man the inward man, the spirit. You have the outward man, the flesh, and then you have the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. In the soul, in your mind, is where we decide who is going to rule over our life. Is it the inward man, the spirit of man, that when we're born again and we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior... Is it that man that we're going to allow all of his godliness to rule and to meditate on and to have his way to be Lord of our life? Or is it the fleshly man with all of the worldly desires and the fleshly evil desires to rule and we're going to say yes to it? Which one are we going to let rule? That's determined in our mind. That's why it's called many times the battlefield of the mind. Now, the issue is both the spirit man and the flesh man both have a bias. A born again spirit man has a bias towards the things of God. Uh, an uh, unregenerated body or the flesh man, which is all of us as long as we're on the earth before Christ returns, has a bias towards fleshliness, worldliness, corruption, and evil. So we see this in the scripture. These biases are here. The question is, which ones do we allow to remain? Okay. Now, we know that in James chapter 4, and we know in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, submit yourselves to God. That means I'm not supposed to submit myself to the flesh. I'm not supposed to submit myself to the bias of the flesh. I'm not supposed to submit myself to worldliness. I'm supposed to submit myself to To God and to his ways and to his thinking. And then it goes on to say, resist the devil. So the the spirit of the devil is built into this fleshly body, right? We see that in the word where the the father of our flesh man, the father of its ways is the devil. So that when we resist evil, we're resisting the corruption that's built into our flesh man. And, And watch this. That is a command. There is a command to resist that evil. Therefore, it's a command to resist any bias of a worldly, fleshly thinking. Okay? And we've talked about it all this week. We've talked about bias in detail, we've answered many questions on it. It's been very beneficial. I highly recommend that you go back and watch all of them. I wanted to break it down into some points today for us to see. So what we see is clearly from 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, and from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, there's a bias in the flesh that's trying to press its way into our actions. It's also, watch this, it's trying to press its way into our thinking. Okay, And if we don't see it, and if we don't resist it, That bias will be there, and if we don't recognize that bias and deal with that bias, it can lead to spiritual problems. A bias by itself is not necessarily like a spiritual stronghold. But it can become one. It can open the door to demonic possession. It can open up the door to a demonic stronghold in our mind. It can open up the door to habits that we don't want. So the issue is that bias by themselves, a bias by itself is not, you know, necessarily a demonic force, but it is a demonic key to open the door. And so that's why, why even unlock the door when we can just keep it locked? That's why we must deal with bias. All right, now let's go here over into uh, Jeremiah. We've talked about this. These are our key verses for the week. 1 John 1, 8, Hebrews 12, uh, verse 11, and then Jeremiah 24, 7. And then Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. So Jeremiah 24, 7 says, I will give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with their whole heart. Now what I want you to see here is, and we'll see it again in Jeremiah 29, what I want you to see is the heart that's talking about here is not the inner man, it's not the spirit, because the heart can be either wholly given or not wholly given, so a part of it or all of it right so that's that is not when we're born again, the spirit of man is completely made a new creation, so the whole man is made a new creation. The whole spirit of man is made in God's righteousness. In other words, if you didn't have the whole spirit of man, that, that spirit man would not be righteous. But the Bible tells us we've been made righteous. So in these verses, talking about the whole heart, it's not talking about the spirit. What it's talking about is the heart, the core, the inward core of who you are. Where is that determined? That's the soul. All right, You have the spirit of man, The flesh of man, spirit of man, if they're born again, is made in the image and likeness of God in his righteousness, completely new creation. If he's not born again, then he still has complete corruption in his spirit. Okay, So that's why we need to get born again so that we can become a part of the family of God and be born into his family in the image and likeness of God and in his righteousness. So that's going to empower us to live a godly life, to live a blessed life, to have an inheritance from God, and to put the evils of the flesh down. Now, the the body is the flesh, and that carries with it the worldly desires. But in the soul, the mind, will, and emotions, we decide who we're going to be. Am I going to be more like God and holy or more like the flesh and worldly and corrupt? In the soul, we decide, do I give God all of my heart or just part of my heart? All right, so in the soul. So I want you to see in that first verse, it says, they will return to me. How many people, you know, if I can get in the presence of God... I can have solutions, but we're not going to get in his presence without our whole heart. He's made this statement. It's it's a spiritual law now. We don't return to his presence fully without giving him our whole heart. We might can get closer, but we want to open up our whole heart. We want to give him all of us, not have any deception or any bias inside of ourselves so that we can return to God. Now let's look at this, Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare or for you to fare well or to be blessed, not for calamity, or I would say not for tragedy, right? God has zero plans. Put that in the comments. I love having you put this in the comments, write it, confess it. God has zero plans for calamity in my life. God has zero plans for calamity in my life. He says, to give you a future and a hope, a future and a hope. Verse 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Wouldn't that be nice if the Lord says, I will listen to what you say? Well, how's He gonna do that? You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. So, what are we talking about? All of your heart means I have renewed my mind to not have any deception or any bias. I'm going after the Lord with everything I have and nothing is going to trip me up along the way. Lord, I am yours. Well, here is where, and then verse 14 says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So if there's anything in our heart in a hidden room you know, that we don't really want to let go of, a hidden fear or a fear that we're aware of, and it's there, it can be a bias. That bias can lead to deception. But even more than that is it can lead to us not giving God our whole heart. Now, he's basically given us a command to give him our whole heart. And if we'll do that, things just start to work. So we're called to resist evil, We're called to open ourselves up to the Lord, not to evil. And so if we have something that's standing in the way, we have, as believers, a responsibility to recognize it, deal with it, and get it out of the way so that we can go after God and be found by God with our whole heart. That's why we're talking about bias. So I want to give you this. You can see that the flesh carries with it its own bias. We're not going to get rid of that until we receive our glorified bodies, but we can deal with it. Even though we might not be able to get rid of it fully, we can deal with it so that it's a non-issue and we can approach God with our whole heart. But if we don't deal with it, then we are, we are actually resisting God instead of resisting evil. He says, resist the devil. He's talking about the devil and his ways, his things. He says, resist them. He says, give me your whole heart. In other words, resist the evil that would try to take up a piece of your thinking. Resist the devil. Listen to that. Resist the devil and his ways that would try to take up a part of your thinking, of your mindset, okay? I wrote this down. A negative bias is allowing the flesh to keep an opinion in our spiritual walk instead of resisting the corrupted thinking. So, for example, and, I, and I've dealt with this uh, on myself. Let's say that you had a fear of heights, And, uh, or a fear of snakes or a fear of spiders or a fear of mice, right? A fear of anything. Let's say that you had a fear. You can, you can find one that you may have dealt with and, and put it in the blank. And you made the statement, you know, for example, fear of heights. (laughs) I'm never going on that roller coaster ride. I'm never going up to the top of that mountain. You know, you may, y'all can go, but I ain't going right. Do you realize that is a fear and a corrupted thinking of a corrupted flesh that now has a bias in your head? So now watch this. What if the Lord told you one day, travel to the top of this mountain because there's somebody up there you're going to meet and you're going to lead them to the Lord. Their eternity hangs in the balance, but you never go because you had a bias towards heights. And so here's the issue. Do we even know how much our bias is holding us back from our destiny? What are the things that we are fearful of? What are the things that we are prideful over, right? Um, What if he told you, you know, Kevin said something about the insurance salesman. What if you said, I will never be a pastor, but in your destiny, God wanted you to be a pastor, what if you said, I would never be, I'll never go to school past high school, but God wanted you to go to school past high school, right? See, these are biases that will limit, and these are areas that we will not find God because we are limited, we've limited our thinking because of the bias, because we haven't given Him our whole heart in that area we completely block you know, that road of destiny in our life. The issue is you and I don't know everything about our destiny that God knows. You know, let me give you a great example of this of somebody who did it right. When Nicole and I first met, we've told the story multiple times. When she and I first met, she was about the most unsocial person I've ever met in my life. And one day I asked her, when we were first dating, I asked her just to say hello to some ladies at a business meeting. When I asked her that question, she literally, because of a bias and a fear in her flesh and a lack of self-esteem in her social ability, she immediately teared up, went into boo-hoo, snot-slinging, crying, and we had, I was like, oh, dear God, and we had to go to another room so that she wouldn't embarrass herself and I I wouldn't embarrass, you know, and this is... I don't know first or second year we were dating, and uh I mean, she was you know sobbing hysterically, and uh so we went in there, we talked, she settled down and here's what here's the thing though years ago, we dealt with bias in our lives, and these these things came up one of the things that came up to Nicole was you don't determine, and your flesh and your fear doesn't determine who you are, and what your destiny is. Now, on a regular basis today, she stands up in front of crowds with an anointing of God because she dealt with a bias years ago. Would she be able to fulfill her call and destiny had she not dealt with her bias? No, but here's the issue. When she dealt with that bias and opened herself up to it, Did she know that she would be called to be a pastor's wife and that she would be called to to speak to people and flow in the anointing? She didn't know that then. That probably would have scared the mess out of her at that point. But she didn't know that. The thing is, had she not dealt with that bias, she would not be fulfilling the call of God on her life now and she would not be helping people through what she does. But because she dealt with bias... Her destiny opened, the, the ceiling was removed, the cap came off, and God could flow through her supernaturally in ways that she could have never imagined. And the truth is, what she thought she couldn't do, God's power came through and did. Okay? So that's the issue. Many times we have a bias because we're looking at ourselves and our abilities and not looking at God and His abilities. Bias is all over the word. A negative bias is not desiring the things of God with all of your heart or desiring something evil or fleshly. Negative bias is not desiring the things of God with all of your heart or it's desiring something evil or fleshly. Now, I want to show you something. Many times people don't think that their way of thinking is evil, they just think, I don't like spiders. So I'm I'm not, you know, I just, you may like spiders, you may be fine with them, or I don't like snakes, but you may think, but see, that's a fear and God says there's no fear in love. The world has accepted it as normal that we are moved by our fears. They're okay with people having fears, but God's word is not okay with our fears. It says fear not. And so what happens is we will allow a bias of that fearful thinking, that evil thinking, and that will completely stop us from going where God has us to go. That will stop us from giving God our whole heart. Now I'm not just talking, about fears, a bias could be that I think this person always hears from God and nobody else hears from God but them. you know it could be a bias on a doctrine you know maybe maybe you think that tongues is really weird tongues speaking in tongues is really weird so now you have a bias about tongues and the beautiful power i mean just the dynamic power of speaking in tongues you'll never have in your life because of a bias against that or a bias against certain things This is why, for me, one of the things I've learned is I am willing to take any doctrine, as long as it's not an absolute set forth in the Word, I mean an absolute like God is love. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus came in the flesh. These are absolutes in the Word. If it's not an absolute like that, I'm willing to take any doctrine, put it on the altar of God, and let the fire and the light of God determine if it's worthy to stand, okay? And and especially doctrines that I established early on. The older I get, the more I want to challenge those doctrines because I have more of a base of the word and more maturity to see through pieces that I couldn't see through when I was younger. So the older I get, the more I throw stuff on the altar that's not an absolute. Abigail put this in the comments yesterday. You can can put this if you'd like. Absolutes, speaking absolutes, is unbecoming on the lips of novices. In other words, absolutes are not a wise thing for people to say when they're still young and immature, right? When you're, when you're young, and, and it doesn't matter what your age is, somebody can just now receive God, and all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're 55, 60, 70, they just received God. They're young in the Lord. They don't need to be speaking the absolutes about Scripture and doctrine that they haven't even studied yet. But you see people do that, and then we accept it as if it's Scripture, as if it's truth. That's not the way it should be. So a lot of times you can tell a bias in your thinking because you'll speak a bias as an absolute. Okay, An absolute that we think, even if we don't say it, even if we just think it, oh, I'll never do that. That's a bias. That will help you identify those biases. Anywhere that the word talks about giving up the desires of something evil or fleshly, it's really speaking of being biased towards that. In other words, you can be biased towards something. And see, a lot of times we just think of evil as uh, you know stealing, killing, or destroying or something that's in your face. We think that, okay, well, I'll just... I'll just, I don't have to, if I'm afraid of heights, I just don't have to go up on a mountain, right? We don't think that me not going up on a mountain is evil, but what if it holds back a part of your destiny, which is something you can't see, only God can see. Our job is to deal with evil things to resist the devil to deal with negative biases whether we can see the fruit down the road or not we can see from the word it's our job to deal with it regardless of what it looks like regardless of if we think it's important or not we must deal with everything that would hold us back deal with those biases and how do we determine those the word of god is sharper than any two-edged sword Able to divide asunder, right? Flesh and spirit, able spirit and soul. The soul is uh, representing what the, the fleshly uh, mindset would bring to it. It's able to divide asunder. It's the word of God that will help us see those things. But now watch this. Most people that i found in church, they are not willing to approach. They are not willing to approach doctrines that they think are true. They'll take the doctrine that they've heard from their pastor for 20 years. They're not willing to put it on the altar because they believe that it's true. They've been operating by it for so long. They won't even step into the thought of, is this right? It's not an absolute in the word. It's not, it's not necessarily of God. If it's of God, it can withstand the, the fire of God. It can withstand that light. Here's one of the things I want you to see. When we leave these things alone and we don't check them and we don't remember in Acts, I think it's Acts 17:11, it says the Bereans were more noble than them all because they would take what was preached, they would go and search the Scriptures to find out if it was true. The Holy Spirit said those Bereans were more noble because they would examine the scriptures instead of just taking something as it was preached on surface value. Even what I'm saying to you today, I don't want you, if you hear the word of God in it and you hear the voice of the Lord, okay, accept it like that. But you should should take these scriptures, examine them, and you should say, you know what, I do need to check my bias, but you take it to the scriptures first. Know that what I'm giving you is scripture. I'm not going to all these scriptures. I'm not reading them all because I'm giving you a lot of information. I'm trying to give you the references so that you can do it. You may know these references already and say, that is what that says. That is what that scripture says. And if you know that, then you can receive it very quick. But if you don't know what those references say, go and study it out because the word of God will help you to see these things. All right. A bias, a negative bias unchecked, opens the door for spiritual strongholds. Let me just say that not just in the negative sense. A bias, good or bad, unchecked, opens the door for spiritual strongholds. A good bias, like, for example, God is good, God is love. God is a healer. God prospers me. He protects me. All of these things are absolutes that the Bible teaches us about the character and nature of God. The more that I get a bias on these good things, the more I can have a stronghold, which is not necessarily always bad. I can have a strong mindset. I can have a hold strongly on the character and nature of God, so that when something tries to come in, a sickness tries to come in, immediately my stronghold of a good bias in my mind goes, no, that's not right. That's trying to steal. That's trying to kill You know, divine health in my body. That thing can't stand. See, so a bias can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. If I have a negative bias in my mind, like I've got to go, a negative bias could, could be, uh, for example, well, somebody's telling me that I don't need to go date this person. But I'm going to go date this person anyway because they don't know what they're talking about. They're they're biased on it because they want to go date the person. I want to go, my flesh wants to go, they don't deal with that bias Now that bias can lead to the place where now they have a stronghold and they resist wise counsel, which can open up the door to demonic influence and oppression and even possession because they didn't deal with that bias, right? And so we want to deal. You don't, once you start getting a handle and light shedding on this might not be right, you go to the word and you find out if it's right or not and you deal with it. You don't leave it sitting, See, and Marky said something the other day. She said, I, I have it's like we don't want the light of God to come into our life sometimes because it'll find that closet where I still got some stuff to clean up. And see, what that is is literally holding on to a bias. All right, Lord, but I don't know if I want to change this yet. I don't know if I want to give myself wholly to go do this. For example, here might be a stronghold right here. For example, I you know, I'm going to church and I'll serve, but Lord, I'm, I'm never going to serve in the nursery. I'm never going to serve in children's ministry. Says who? Says who? A bias would say that. A bias would say that. Now, now I want you to see this. Literally, our children's ministry in in. Not just because I'm saying it. I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of how our children's ministry has been so blessed and kids beg their parents to come back and go to Super Kids at Boomerang. Like, when are we going to Boomerang again? I've heard that testimony so many times. Do you know why it's that good? Because at one point, the Lord showed me that Deb Aldridge was supposed to take it and launch that children's ministry. Now, here's the thing. Deb had never done it before. I think by Deb's own words, she might say, I wasn't even sure if I liked kids. <laughs> At that, I wasn't even sure I wanted to do this ministry. She didn't have a necessarily a desire to do it. She didn't know if she had the skill set to do it, any of that. But she said, here's what she did. She would say, I probably had a bias against that. But... When the Holy Spirit spoke to me, she said, okay, if, if God spoke to pastor about it, then I open up my heart to God to hear what he has to say on it. And the moment she opened up her heart to God, dude, the anointing of God, she found God and He she found him and he found her. The anointing flowed through her and God gave her an anointing because she got rid of bi- a bias gave her an anointing to launch that, that ministry and make it what it is today. Is one, but the issue is she probably had a bias at the beginning. She didn't even know she fully had, and then, but she dealt with it when she recognized it. She dealt with it. It allowed her to give her whole heart to God. All of a sudden, the the whole heart to God. She found that. So, would we have the ministry that we have today had she not dealt with her bias? And the answer is, no. No, because she dealt with her bias, it allowed a lot of people and a lot of kids to receive from the Lord because she dealt with it. And so would we say, well, I'm just not going to be in the, in the children's ministry. I don't want to do that. Will we say that that's evil? Most people would not say that that's evil. But it's evil if it's holding back what God wants to do. It's blocking what God wants. The issue is we don't know everything God wants. We don't know our full plan. Our job is to deal with the bias when it comes up. That's our responsibility. Resist temptation. Resist evil. Fear Not, don't be in pride. All of these relate to bias. Our job is to deal with them whether we like it or not, whether it's comfortable or not. Let the light of God come and shine in every room of our house. And it might be something we really don't want to deal with right now. But if we'll give ourselves to the Lord, what is it in God that's going to hurt us? Nothing. What's going? To, anything God does is going to bless us. It's going to love on us. He He loves us with an everlasting love. All right. Now, next next part. Amen, buddy. Put my job is to deal with bias. All right. So here's one one thing. Deception is of the devil. Deception is always the only power that the devil has at this point. And let me let me show you this. Jesus said, all power and authority is given unto me, right? That means if Jesus has it all, power, which is a physical strength, and authority, which is a strength to make it so and to bring it about, right? It's an authoritative power. So you have a physical power and authoritative power. Jesus has both of them, and he has all of it. And he says, so how much does that leave for the devil? None then why can the devil do these things? Well, uh, when you go into, well, before I even answer that question, in another scripture, he says, he said to his disciples, I have given you authority. I've given the disciples authority, which means every disciple, you and me, if we're in the kingdom of God, I've given you authority over all the physical power of the enemy. I've given you authority over all the physical power of the enemy. So even if the devil did have some power that he tries to utilize, and he, he has some in that way, but ours supersedes it all. Our power and authority that God gave us supersedes it all. How then can the devil get involved in churches, and Christians? How can the devil get involved? And it looks like he has some power. The answer to that is the main weapon that he has, deception. If you go into Revelation, you see, especially like Revelation, I think it's 12 and Revelation 20, you see the devil coming and going out of the earth. And each time the devil comes and goes out of the earth, you see, he takes one thing with him, deception. That's his power. Now I want to talk about that just for a second. Deception, deception. Think about this. You know, the way it looks in the Bible is that the devil deceived one third of the angels. One third of the angels were deceived by the devil. Now, I want you to think about that. Angels that have been in the presence of God. Can you imagine the confidence that you would have about God being in the absolute power if you were in his presence like those angels were? Think about how confident you would be that God is God. I mean, when the presence of God is so strong on the earth that when the priest walked into the Holy of Holies, he's so strong, so absolute, so pure that that little bit of sin they had in their life, they drop over dead because of his purity and his holiness. These angels were in his presence. They're in heaven and it, says, it teaches us that the devil deceived and took with him a third of the angels. Now, I don't like giving the credit, any, any credit for anything, but he knows how to deceive. And for us to not recognize it, he's not powerful. He's not strong. At the end of time, we're basically going to look at him and say, is this the one that wreaked havoc You know, over all the earth? We're going to look at him and we're going to be bewildered at that. But the issue is he knows how to deceive. And for us to think that we can have a flesh and biases like we've already determined and not be deceived is pride. And so deception is the only power that he has over believers. So if we can defeat deception, we've got a lot of this problems wrapped up. We've got to recognize deception. I said this, I've been saying it all week, is that the antidote To deception is humility. The antidote to deception is humility. But here's the thing about deception. And think about this. By definition, when you are deceived, you don't know it. Put that in the comments. By definition, when you're deceived, you don't know it. So the issue is, if I have deceptions in my life right now, I don't know that I'm deceived. If you have deceptions in your life, you don't know that you're deceived. So that's kind of like a rock in a hard place. How do I figure out what I need to know then? How do I figure out where, where the deceptions are? How do I figure out where the biases are? If it's a part of deception, how do I figure that out? I have to go to humility. I have to humble myself in front of the Lord, and then grace and greater grace will be given. In James chapter 4... And 1 Peter chapter 5, when we submit ourselves to God and submit ourselves to his ways and we humble ourselves, grace will be given and greater grace will be given. And that grace will illuminate those deceptions. It will illuminate and empower us to step out of those deceptions, step out of those biases, and give our whole heart to God. But I want, I want us to recognize this point. I want us to recognize this point because this is a key because most Christians, and I want you to see this over watching, over being a pastor for 12 and a half years and in ministry for over 20 years and born again for over 40 years, I've watched people and I'm convinced of this. Most people are not evil. Most people are not operating in malice. Okay. Most people, but yet in my opinion, the majority of Christians are living at about 60% righteous, about 60% holy. In other words, there's 40% that's unholy, and that's that's my that's my estimation. Let's say that it was 90% holy. There's still 10% that's still unholy. But they don't know that it's unholy. They're not doing those unholy things because they think they're wrong and they're okay with being wrong. They're doing those unholy things because they're deceived. So the question is, how much deception do we have? How much is operating inside of our life? And how do we locate those so we can get rid of those deceptions? Well, bias falls into this. How many things am I deceived on Ultimately, because I was biased on a thinking, but I'm not biased on it because I think it's wrong. I'm biased on it because I think it's right. Most people are not evil. Most people are not malicious. They're simply deceived. And doesn't that stand to reason that that's the devil's only weapon? So in other words, how does he get in there and do these things and wreck lives? Because deception leaves the door open for him. And if we'll deal with deception, which means humble ourselves before the Lord, let the Lord shine the light on our lives, we can, we can reveal the deceptions. But if we're sitting there going, no, I know what's right. I know what's right, and you can't talk me into it. I just don't believe that. No, I don't think that way. I think it's this way. See, if we'll be that way, we are holding on to the potential of biases in our life we're not dealing with. Now, I want to show you, if what we are thinking is right and it's godly, then I can go into this word, I can set that thinking and that thought, that bias That What may be a deception, it may be a truth, I can set it on the altar of God. Let the water of the word wash over it. Let the light of God shine on it. Reveal if there's any shadows or any deception in it. Let the fire of God, who's an all-consuming fire, burn up everything that's not him. See, I don't have to defend the doctrines of God in a sense that I'm just holding on to it blindly. No, I can lay it on the altar and let God reveal the truth of it and not be afraid of that. What is God today will be God tomorrow. He is the Lord who changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't have to worry about whether or not godly things and truth will stand. It'll stand. So, I can lay that on the altar. I can take that doctrine. I'll give you an example of this. A few years ago, somebody came and they, they uh, were asking questions about tongues and they weren't trying to just debate me. They literally wanted to find out, they wanted to reveal some things. So, what I did in that moment, it had been a few years since I'd done this, I went into it and I said, Lord, show me whatever you want to show me on tongues. I'm going to take the whole doctrine of praying in the spirit and praying by tongues. I'm laying it on the altar. I'm going to act like it doesn't exist. I have no knowledge of it. And let me go back into your word like a like a like a child with childlike faith and let me look at that. And as I go into that, I'm going to see what your word says and let's establish this doctrine all over again with all of the pieces that I can see in your word. And so I started an intensive study of praying in the spirit, being filled with the spirit and tongues. And I and I want you to know this. I had no bias towards it. I was putting all my bias on the table, on the altar. If I came out of that, out of the word, and and I came to the conclusion out of this word, from the full counsel of the word, and and study and asking questions of other people, if I came out of this and tongues was not for today, I was willing to change my doctrine, because I don't have to defend a doctrine of God. The truth is, I went into it, I laid it all on the table again, and I came out stronger about tongues than I ever was before. So what by taking that doctrine and laying it on, on there, I didn't get weaker in it. I got stronger in it because it was truth the whole time. And so that's the issue. See, a lot of times we're afraid to lay these things because the truth is we don't really know why we believe it. We've just been preached to about it a, a lot by somebody with convincing words, but we don't really know what the word says about it. And so it's good for us to lay things on the altar. Most of the doctrines we've had on the timeline of our life, we formed them in the first five years of going after Christ when we were the most immature and knew the least. And then we hold those doctrines for the rest of our life. That doesn't even make good sense. Lay them on the altar. The word of God will stand. This truth will not be burnt up, right? We've got to be okay with taking what we think we know and letting God shine his light on it. This is, is, it'll hide. If we don't do this, there are whole pockets of bias and open doors to the devil and deception that can stay in our life and hold us back. The way that I'm telling you to do this is a way of God where we deal with pieces of our heart that might not be all the way given to him, where we let the light of God shine in our lives, reveal that, judge ourselves so that we are not judged. this 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 is a way of God. I'm not telling you an ungodly thing. I'm giving you scripture. Judge yourself so that you're not judged. Lay yourself on the altar. Let the light of God uh, penetrate every part of your life. Let the fire of God consume all the chaff. Lord, I'm yours. Touch me with your holiness. Touch me with your fire. Reveal the things I need to work on. Reveal the thoughts that are not of you. Show me, this is a whole heart. See, when we go after God with our whole heart, we'll be found by him and we will find him. By definition, when we're deceived, we don't know it, and the only way to come out of that deception, or come out of that bias is to lay those things on the altar, to lay them. The only way that we b- become aware of deceptions is to humble ourselves to the way of God. Now I want you to see this because deception is so strong, it's not physical power that's been beating Christians. It's deception in our thinking. I'll give you an example of this. The devil throws a sickness on somebody. It's not the sickness that's really the, the issue. The sickness will lead to something if it's not dealt with. The issue is they're deceived in thinking that the sickness is normal when God calls it a curse. See, it's deception that's being, if they would get rid of the deception that sickness is normal for a believer, they would deal then with the sickness. They would deal with it. But because of deception, they'll leave it. And think about this, sinuses, you know, uh, in other words, like uh, pollen hits the air in the spring and people are like, well, just, it's just pollen season. No, that's a lack. That's a deception. You deal with it. You come against it. And see, because of deception, because we've had a bias that says, well, just pollen's normal. You know, everybody's got to deal with that. That's a bias. That's a deception. And because we've not been willing to lay that on the table, it just remains, and it can haunt you for the rest of your life. It's not the pollen that's actually making you sick. It's the deception that it can stay there. Okay? It's not physical power that's been beating Christians, it's deception in our thinking. That's why you'll hear statements like the battlefield of the mind. Now, I want you to see this. It's not just an evil life that's been stealing our destiny. It's a deceived life. Okay? It's not just an evil life. In other words, I watch, and I've watched for years, year after year after year, Christians who are not evil but they think something that is evil is okay. They're deceived into thinking this is okay. And that is what's beating up and breaking their life and breaking their destiny. It's not just an evil life that's been still in our destinies. It's more the deceived life. People People are not evil for the most part. There's a few that are, but for the most part, people are not evil. They're not malicious. They're just deceived. They don't know. For exa- Let me give you a couple of examples, of that. a small one first. Most believers in America would think that it's okay to utilize fear as a sales tactic. In other words, like fear of loss. Hey, you know there are there's three other people that are looking at this car. If you don't, you know, go ahead and make me an offer. I'm going to have to give it to them. What are you doing? You're actually taking a tactic of fear, a tactic of the devil, to try and win money for your for your family. And now, who's the source of that sale? Is God the source, his faith and favor the source of your cell? Or is the source of your cell a fear tactic that you learn from a corrupted world? So because they think that's okay, they think that that's normal, they're actually, what they do is they shut down favor from God in their life because they're trying, they've made the wrong thing the source. So it's not, it's not evil that's, that, It's not them being evil that is actually causing them to live a lower standard of life. It's a deception that's causing them. They don't know that that's wrong. They're not educated that that, there is no fear in God. If you want God in your finances, you can't operate by fear. If you want God in the protection of your family, you can't be afraid for your family. God it doesn't God doesn't operate in the realm of fear. So if you you can't that's a deception. You can't live by fear. Okay? Now that fear can't be your source in that way. Let me give you another thing. Most people are not evil, but most people have agreed upon that on their taxes they can, you know, just We can say it this way instead of that way, and we'll get a few extra hundred dollars back on our taxes. But that little white lie that they said is not true. Now they're operating outside of truth. That opens the door to the devil. But they're biased, and they're like, no, no, that's okay. But they're biased in it. They're biased in that, and they're not dealing with it. And they don't realize that that bias, that deception, is actually causing a lack of favor in their whole life. It's causing that lack of favor in their whole life. All right, here's, here's a, uh, another one. Um, hold on, i got to think of it. I had it a second. Again, it's not just an evil life that steals destiny. It's a deceived life. Okay, here's the other one. Think about this. I'll go, I'll go to the Bible for this example. Did the Pharisees, you know, were all of the Pharisees evil? Some of them were, but were they all evil? No, they were deceived. They thought, like the Zealots, remember Simon the Zealot, right? Um, one of the things, the Zealots thought, they thought that by preaching, they thought they had doctrine that they were going to have a forceful takeover and give power back to. Israel. And so they zealously, after that, that next uh, line of thought goes to the place where they're killing people. And they're zealous for it. They were zealots to try and take it back by force. That was never God's plan. God's plan was to send Jesus to the cross so that all that might believe in him would have everlasting life. And he would redeem not just physical authority, but spiritual authority, which supersedes it all. They missed that because they were biased and deceived. And their own deception led some of them to the place where they were murdering people. You see this, yeah, Kevin says, Nicodemus was not an evil man, but yet you had you had people and Pharisees that didn't receive Christ, that although he was the son of God and the Messiah, they didn't lay their bias on the altar. Nicodemus, I believe, did lay his bias on the altar. He came to Jesus, he talked to him, he was willing to lay this thing on the altar, and that's why I believe that he got born again eventually, and uh, I personally, I think that he did. I think he was of that heart, Lord, I'm yours. But you had other people that would not do that. They wouldn't lay that thinking. Remember, uh, who was it Um, in Acts? uh, I'm trying to think of his name real quick. The the one that said, uh, Paul, you almost lead me to become a Christian. In other words, he listened, but he was never really fully willing to lay his life on the altar to see if he needed to do that. He was almost persuaded, but he would not put his life. He wanted to leave something in the shadows, and because of that, we don't think that he got born again. So he could have gone to hell because he didn't lay this thing on the, on the altar, and he didn't lay his bias on the altar, right? Who was it? Agrippa. Yeah, King Agrippa, so you see that you see that he's sitting there, and no it it was um, I don't know that it was Agrippa. Are you reading it for sure? It was the other huh it was the one with Agrippa Felix maybe it it was the one that was visiting but with Agrippa him said it in Acts 26, Agrippa okay, so he did say, it. all right, but there was the other one that was sitting there listening with him as well. And so what you see is the biblical example is that we take what we think and we've got to lay it on the altar. We've got to put it on the altar and let the light of God shine on it. Here's another example of of people having a bias where they're trying to do right, but it's actually evil. Look at the Crusaders in the 1600s. Now, see, a lot of people would say, oh, you're talking about the Crusaders. They went and they they, they, they basically beat back the murderers. I, I understand that. They were trying to protect Jerusalem and all that. But here's one of the things they were doing. They were going and they were operating not with God as their source, but you actually had a pope in that in that place that was saying, if you will go and fight for the Crusades, you will go to heaven. So the pope at that time was telling people the way to heaven was to go fight for their crusade not through Jesus. And because this was a deception, you had whole armies of people that were going to fight to get entrance into heaven, which is not how they got entrance into heaven. You get entrance into heaven through one way. You had so they were completely deceived and Different people would look and say what they did was evil. Some people would say what they did was holy. The issue is they weren't willing to lay it on the table to find out if it was or not. So people are not evil. They're just deceived as a whole. You do have a few people that are very evil, and you need to be aware of that. And there's some alive in the world today. It's not just an evil life that steals our destiny. It's a deceived life. Look at Judas. Judas, Judas was evil. I believe Judas was evil. But he got to be an evil because at first he was deceived. In other words, it was the deception that led him to that place of being evil where he kept making deceived decisions, deceived decisions, till he made one that wasn't deceived. And it became evil. Generally speak- speaking, people are not evil. They are deceived. What is the antidote to deception? Humility. You know, I want you to see this. It is hard-heartedness, not whole-heartedness, that blinds us and deafens us. We see in the scriptures that when we are hard-hearted, hearing we don't hear, and seeing we don't see. So now watch this. When I have truth that's being preached to me, and I say, "Well, I don't know about that. I think it's this way. What I've just done is I've hardened my heart towards that truth, And at the very least, even if it's not truth, I can still take it back to the Word and examine it like the Bereans did. And when I harden my heart to the truth, in other words, I don't open up my heart not to a a lie or deception but to God. See, I can hear somebody preach something to me and either it's truth or it's a deception. But I don't have to open myself up to what they're saying. I take what they're saying and I take it back to the Word and I open my heart up to the to the word to what god says on it but if i'm not willing to take what they're saying and go back to the word i harden my heart towards that and the bible teaches us you will even be in the place of hearing but you won't hear you'll be in the place where you can see but you won't see so what what we see is when we are not willing to open our whole heart to god we literally blind and deafen ourselves, we get deceived. And this is where bias is so important because our bias can say, oh no, that's not right. I don't even have to go in the Bible to check that out. No, that's not right. No, I've been taught all my life that that women can't be preachers. I've been taught all my life that women can't be preachers. I'm not even going to go look that up. That's a bias. That's a bias. And that bias Keeps us in deception. Now watch this. Go to John chapter 1. One of my favorite verses. Favorite set of verses. And just we'll read 1 through 5. Well, and then we'll read some more. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him, in the Word, in Jesus we know, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, or the illumination, or the revelation, or the destroying of deception. In him was the light of men. So we find our light in Christ, not in a preacher. We find our light in the word, not in a a sermon series that's been preached all the time. Now if a sermon series is based on the word, that sermon series will have light. But if that sermon series is based on a bias, that sermon series will be dark, and it'll be deception. Watch this, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and watch, the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness, and another, when you look at this in another English word, the translate original word, it says, and darkness couldn't overpower it. Darkness can't comprehend or overpower the light of God. It can't do it. Now I want you to see this. So imagine this. I take myself, and maybe there's darkness in me that I don't know about. Maybe you you're sitting there and I, I have biases that I'm not even aware of. But I just pray, Lord, all of my thinking, I give it to you. I lay myself all of my doctrines, all of my thinking, all of my processes. I lay it on the altar. I lay it on the al- myself, my thinking, my mindset, my biases, my deception, even my truth. I lay it all on the altar, what I think is truth. I lay it all on the altar, and I just ask you to shine your light in my life. Help me see areas where I might have been missing it. Help me see areas where you know, there was deception and bias. And, and What I'm telling you, Lord, is I just, I give myself wholly to you. You have my whole heart. And whatever you show me needs to change, I'll change it. I'll change it. When we pray that prayer, what we do is see, we lay our whole self up on the altar. Anything that is dark inside of us, and we allow the light to penetrate it, immediately the light of God starts destroying deceptions in our life. And all of the destruction that comes from that deception, all of the destiny-stealing power that that bias or that deception had, when we yield ourselves to God, I'm not talking about yielding yourself to men. I'm not talking about yielding yourself to a group of people. I'm not even telling you yielding yourself to a church in that way. No, we put ourselves on the altar and we say, Lord, I'm yours show me. And I really don't care. I really don't care if you, what you show me that's right or wrong. I, I, I just want what you want. I'm yours. And we lay ourselves on the altar. All of a sudden we give God the right to shine his pure love and light into our life. And anything that's darkness starts to be destroyed on, on contact. Immediately, darkness can't overpower. It can't stand there. And watch what happens. And immediately, we give Jesus the right to be the Lord of our life, to be the one who has his dominion. He has his domain in our life. And nothing that would hold us back can hold us back anymore because we stay in that position of yielded towards him. If we keep ourselves on the altar and let the light penetrate every closet of our house, of the house of our life, we let the light, all of a sudden darkness can't stay there and we destroy what's trying to destroy us simply by yielding ourselves to the Lord. Continue on down. Verse 9, there was... The true light, which is Jesus, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own, watch this, those who even were his own did not receive him. I want you to see this. This is still happening today on a smaller level. Even people that are Christians God's trying to get His life-penetrating light into their lives and and burn out that deception but so many believers and christians are saying they're so biased in their thinking they won't even put their doctrines on the altar they won't even yield themselves to the lord and he's trying to raise their life up and multiply it and, and make it exponential in their destiny and their eternity but they're, they've listened to the corruption of the world or the fear or the pride and they won't yield themselves and even the ones that are his own are not receiving him in those small areas. And so their whole eternity is limited and capped. He said, he said, he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the in context of the will of God, in other words, God will birth his destiny in you, God will birth your future in you, not just through receiving Christ alone this the context is receiving Christ but we can receive Christ in each one of these areas of our thinking and God can take that to an eternal supernatural level that we couldn't have had before because it's not based on what my will is or what my flesh's will is or what the world's will is and what it's taught me, but I can do it by literally opening myself up to the fullness of the will of God by laying myself wholeheartedly on the altar. And when I do that, I open up I open up the glory of God in my life. And therefore, if I open up that glory in my life, I open it up to all the people that God will put in my path as well. We've got to yield ourselves to the Lord. Light revealed breaks the power of darkness. Put that in the comments. Light revealed breaks the power of darkness. Light revealed breaks the power of darkness. If, if, big if, if we would open ourselves to his full light, in other words, Lord, you can shine your light everywhere in my life, every thought. If we would open ourselves up to his full light and place it on the altar, Satan's power would be broken in our lives. Because think about that. If I lay my full self, my whole heart on the altar, and the light hits it, the fire of God consumes everything that's not of God. What is left to destroy me? It's not just His power that's destroying me; it's His deception. And I allow the light of God to come in and show me where I've been wrong, show me where I've been deceived, show me where I've been biased. And I understand it's not—it's not comfortable to the flesh man. Your spirit man's ready for it. Your spirit man's like, "Yeah, let's do it." But your flesh man and your mind might not be renewed to that. It's like, yeah, "I don't want to. I don't know about that." For exa- For example, I was talking to somebody not too long ago. They want to have a spouse. They want to be married, and and it's a desire of theirs. And I told them, I said, here's the issue. I said, you've got to take this and lay it on the altar. If the Lord hasn't spoken to you directly, and even if you think that he's spoken to you directly, lay it on the altar to see if it proves true. Let the light of God hit it. Don't worry about it. He's the one. He will go to work bringing about your supply. But if you keep pressing after this thought and you're biased in it and you keep pressing after it, then you literally might be holding back the hand of God and you might be trying to force something to happen like Abraham had Hagar and therefore he had an Ishmael. He had a son that he was never supposed to have in that way because he tried to make it happen with a woman that was outside of his, of his wife. And see, that's what many times we'll force a will, and it was never God. And all of a sudden, we have an Ishmael to deal with for the rest of our lives. That's a burden. It's a problem because God was not the builder. We were because we had a bias in that way. I said, what you need to do is you need to take that whole thought process. You need to lay that thought on the altar and literally back away and say, Lord, you have my whole heart. If you never tell me to get married... I won't get married, and I'll be happy about it because I know if you made that decision, Lord, it will be the best for me. I trust you in that process. If you tell me to get married, then I trust you in that process. No matter what you tell me, yes or no, this way or that way, I know that whatever you tell me, it's going to be the best. It will bring me joy. You'll give me the mindset to be happy. I'm not forcing it. I'm not being unbiased. I'm laying it on the altar. Shine the light on it. If there's darkness, burn it up. If there's any corruption, burn it up. Lord, thank you, Father for showing me what I need to know. And, and, and I understand when we make those decisions, it, it might take you a few days to get your heart in order on that. It might, it might, ooh, that's a different way of thinking. I get that. I understand that. But take the time to give God your whole heart. Take your time to meditate on it and give God your whole heart because when you give him your whole heart, you'll find him. And he'll find you you will return to him and you will find him but you got to give him your whole heart let me say this again if we would open up ourselves to his full light place it on the altar satan's power would be broken in our lives because there'd be no darkness left to deceive us and overpower us we we have it in our hands but we've got to be willing to lay down the bias. We've got to be willing to lay down the deception. We've got to be willing to lay down what we thought was the right way to do it. We've got to be willing to lay that down and let the Lord show us in his word and let the Holy Spirit minister to us. We've got to be willing to lay that down. And I said this, I can't, we can't keep our little bias in a shadowy place beside the altar and assume when, when the light of God has shone on everything else, but we kind of kept this little bias over here to the side. Oh yeah, that's still good because it's still remaining. No, we got to take every shadowy place, every questionable thought, every questionable bias, every questionable thing, we got to take it all, our whole heart and lay it on the altar. We don't find God when we bring him 99% of our heart. He said, When we bring our whole heart, that means I take every thought, every thought process, every way of doing everything, I lay it on the altar. We don't have to leave deception as an option in our life. Do you know by doing this, we have the ability to eliminate deception in our life if we'll do it God's way and put everything on the altar. Do, do you see that? Can you see that from scripture? We don't have to be deceived. We don't have to leave deception as an option at all. We can walk in clarity. We can walk in his wisdom. All it takes from us is to open up our whole heart, to lay everything on the altar, every thought, every way. We can break its power, the power of deception, by being humble, being wholehearted towards God, removing bias, and placing it all on the altar. We can break the power of deception by four things, being humble, being wholehearted towards God, actively removing bias, recognizing and removing bias, and placing it all on the altar. When we deal with bias, now watch this, this is powerful. When we deal with bias, we're humbling ourselves to the way of God. When we deal with bias, then we are saying, Lord, I'm doing it your way. That is a submission to God's way. That's a humility to God's way. And in 1 Peter 5 and James chapter 4, it shows us that when we submit ourselves to God and resist the devil, grace and greater grace is given. So when we deal with bias, we humble ourselves, and grace is given. Now watch this. That grace will come in to bring the supernatural power of God. So go back to to the person I was talking about having a spouse. When they actually say, Lord, I don't have to have a spouse, and I don't want a spouse if you don't want me to have it. But if you want me to have it, I have it. Here, Lord, my whole heart, I want what you want. For my life, and I know that whatever you choose is best. Now, if they haven't done that, they're actually holding their own bias, they're not submitting to God, and they're blocking the grace of God from entering. They're blocking supernatural power and favor from coming in to bring that solution. But when they lay it on the altar, They actually release grace when they humble themselves, say, Lord, whatever you want, I want. And and it's not just lip service. They actually have gotten to the place in their heart where they believe and trust God and they are good with his answer, yes or no. They get to that place. They have now moved into humility to God. They've submitted, they've resisted bias, they've resisted evil in there. And now grace is released to bring about God's god 's uh, supernatural love manifested in their life, so many times by being biased and being, and not being willing to lay stuff on the altar we 've actually held back the grace of God in our lives because we weren 't willing to let the light shine on those areas and tell us something we our flesh didn 't want to hear. We, we held it back, but if we'll actually yield to the Lord, we release all grace to abound in our lives. When we deal with bias, we humble ourselves, and grace is giving. Many times we blocked our own grace by not dealing with our biases, not being willing to put it on there. You know, when I hear new things in in preaching and stuff like that, I, you know, I, I hear new things all the time. I heard something, I think, last week, and uh, somebody was preaching something. I was like, man, I don't know about that. I'm not, I'm not sure that sits well with me, Right. But my issue is I I don't have a choice in whether it's the right thing or not. The Word has that choice. So I take that thought, whether I like it or not, and I go into the Word and I start studying. And I see either that's the Lord or not. I've had some things where, you know, the more you walk with God, the more you can tell which things of God and not. But every now and then I'm still, I'm still not sure. I was speaking to somebody a couple of weeks ago and I said, here's a situation, and I don't have the answer to this. I don't know how this works yet. I can see it here in scripture, I can see it here in scripture, and those two things look opposite to me. And uh I know that I know that they get along. I just don't know how yet I don't know what that little connection is, and I don't know how to explain it, but I know that if as I go into the word he'll show me he'll show me the light, he'll bring me revelation on it, and so our job is when we hear something that's preached, our job is not just say, "No, that's not right. no our job is to take that and say, "Let me be like the Brians, go into that word, and let me study and let Lord." It may, I may think it's no right now. That could come from where I was raised, how I was raised, family I was raised in, the church I was raised in. But that can all be a bias. But your word's not biased. And so I ask you, shine your light on this issue. Lord, I'm not going to say, no, I'm not listening to that. No, that's not right just because I feel like it's not right. No, I don't move by feelings. I move by the Spirit. And your Spirit inspired this word to separate truth from lies. Truth from deception. I yield myself to you. If, you. if I go in here in this word as my standard and I find out that it's wrong, then I won't do it. If I go into this word and I find out it's right, then I'll do it. Lord, I'm yours. This humility opens up a grace to our life, and that's our job. Amen. I hope you've learned a lot about bias and deception, but even more than that, how when we deal with it, God's grace can come into your life. Are you ready right now for God's grace to open up in your life? Are you ready for his grace to just blow you away with his blessings? Are you ready for that? If you are, then let's pray right now and let's lay everything on the altar. So just pray with me. Just say, Jesus... Right now. You're the Lord of my life. That means I do what you tell me to do. And I believe you died for me. And I believe that God brought you back to life. And when you were raised up from death, you did not leave me in that place of lack. But you raised me with you. Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit and fire... So that I can live like you. And today, at your command, as my Lord, I'm resisting evil. I'm resisting corruption. And I'm deciding to lay my whole life on the altar. Lord, shine your light into every area of my life, shine your light into my whole house, every area of my thinking, every area of my beliefs, every area of my actions, and I ask you to show me what's not of you. I lay every doctrine, everything on the table that I think is right, and I ask you to show me what is and what isn't. Lord, help me remove deception from my life And for grace to come in. Now just think about that first thing. Think about that. Everything he brings to me, I'm going to lay it on the altar. And I'm going to let the fire of God consume every ungodly thing. And I'm going to let the light of God shine in every room of the house of my life. I'm going to let it it shine. Thank you, Father. And your light, that darkness, that deception, that bias, has got nothing for your light. It can't, un, it can't comprehend it. It doesn't know what to do with it. And it can't un, overpower it. But Lord, your light will decimate every work of the enemy and every work of, of that uh, demonic thinking that he's tried to get in. And it'll be awesome. Lord, we yield to you, Jesus. We yield to the leading and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. We're not yielding to just the teaching of men, but the Spirit of God that might be in what men say. And if it's not you, Lord, let it be seen. We thank you for it. And Lord, we believe now that your grace will be released into the lives. Lord, we believe now that your light will destroy that darkness, that dark thinking. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. I hope this has helped you. Has it helped you understand bias and deception this week? Have you gotten something out of it? And uh, I hope so, and I believe that you have. I can tell you it's helped me put it back on the shelf fresh again, and I'm glad to have gone over. I'm glad the Lord led us this way. I've, I've gotten a lot of comments over the last week. Uh, talking about that. But we love you. If you would like to sow into the word of God and the good news going around the world, if you would like to sow into that, uh, you can go to giveww.org and you can sow Facebook. You type in uh, hashtag donate followed by the amount, cash app, Venmo, PayPal, text to give, cryptocurrency. You can do that and you can give one time or you can give recurring at giveww.org. You're welcome to do that. And uh, speaking of going around the world, Roderick, come up here, man. Come here real quick. <laughs> you can leave that on. <laughs> he had his hat on. Come here. Man, he's getting ready to go uh, to Tanzania. Here, let's get the camera on. Getting ready to go. You're leaving Sunday? Or no, August 1st, Next you said. Sunday. Next Sunday. Yeah, amen. You excited? Yeah, it's here. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> amen. I'm excited for you. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, let's just pray over Roderick right now. And if you, if you would like to, uh, sow into him something special today, uh, I think, I forget what we have on the drop down, but you can just put a note in there, Roderick. So it's R-O-D-R-I-C-K. If you'd like to give something special, definitely just make a note in there or send us a note. Go to whatsright.com. But let's just pray for him right now. So Father, Lord, just be with him. Let him walk like you walked on this earth, full of the Holy Ghost and power. Let your love come through him. Lord, let him not walk in any deception. Let him walk in the fullness of your light and the fullness of your glory in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, I'm so glad you got to come today. I love you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Did you get something out of it? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. You. Notes Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I went over a few things today. <laughs> yes, it's, it's good thing, you know, Praise God, yeah. glory to God. Yeah. Well, we love you. Hey, we love you too. Marky's going to wrap it up. We'll see you tomorrow at eleven thirty on Lunch Plus. Hey, I have an exciting announcement for you. This, you got to go. The end of this
1: month, August. We're in August, never got in August yet. It's still the end of July, (laughs) but the, the next month, August 27th through 22nd through 27th, Brother Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. will be here in Albemarle. He'll be under a tent next to the YMCA. It's going to be so exciting phenomenal tent meetings if you no matter where you are those meetings are worth traveling to even if you are not in the area if you want to come in we can give you more details on that but it will be august 22nd through the 27th here in albemarle special services tent meetings that are going to be great and like we say if you feel if you if this message you know hey this is a message that people need make sure to share it make sure you are following what's right make sure to like this uh video and uh, we will see you tomorrow tomorrow we will be having nailed it or failed it in prayer and we look forward to seeing you then we look forward to seeing you every day so thank you for joining us thank you for your support thank you for every like and comment we love you and we'll see you tomorrow I'm sorry.